So welcome to this first episode of Athletic Training Chat. Uh, this is a podcast that myself and Malcolm and Austin, who will introduce themselves here in a minute, um, created to really bring attention to the profession of athletic training. In our due diligence, we found some great podcasts out there, but not necessarily one that's dedicated specifically to interviewing athletic trainers and what they do. And to be honest with you, I think we're going to be pretty excited to find some you know, quote unquote, hidden gems in the profession um, along the way to learn from, but also just to highlight what the profession is, where it's going, where it's been and everything with that. So um, the whole purpose of this first episode is to introduce us, uh, kind of answer some of the questions that we're going to answer, ask all our guests. So uh, Austin, why don't you start, just give a little bit of background on yourself, where you're at, what you're doing, um, and then we'll go from there. Sure. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little cold going. Don't um, my name is Austin. I'm currently a graduate student at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, uh, getting my master's of science in athletic training. I did an undergrad at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. Uh, that's kind of where I got to know Joel a little bit more. And I focus more on the strength and conditioning aspect. So my background is really more that strength, strength and conditioning training aspect of things. And Malcolm? Uh, so yeah, I'm Malcolm. Uh, I did my, I'm currently an undergrad student in athletic training here at UB Lacrosse. I'll be starting a uh, physical therapy school here at Lacrosse as well. So I plan on stay, like still staying more so on athletic training, but I don't like it really big on like the, I like the rehab evaluation, like treatment, like injury prevention side of things as well. So yeah, that's where I'm kind of hopefully heading. You know, I'm going to hold you to, or at least when I introduce you on here, you're going to be ATPT, not the other way around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know that. <laughs> as long as we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, so I know my motivations for wanting to start this. And again, probably because I just can't sit still and always have to have another project. Um, but I also like the idea of just being able to talk and meet different people. And um, that was, you know, what we talked about as our goals with this. Um, but I honestly, again, just listening to some other things, you know, highlighting the profession and a lot of the changes that are coming along with it. Um, it's something that extremely was a big push of wanting to do this and really f have a platform for people that maybe don't get interviewed all the time because we're not a profession for lots of good reasons, hopefully, that gets interviewed by, you know, the big media outlets or whatnot, because usually if they're talking about us, it's because something bad happened. Um, but I know that's been my big motivation. What about you guys? Like, what, why are you interested in running this project? So for me, I think one thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years, especially with just getting into athletic training in the last year, is that when you meet different people, kind of like those uh, gems in the rough that you're talking about, people who you might not think about talking to, they all offer different and unique experiences that can help you grow professionally. And especially right now as a student, that's big for me. It's because I'm kind of have that blank slate where it's like, I'm trying to absorb everything I can. So I've talked to you. I've talked to some, pre some of my preceptors who have had different experiences working with military populations. I've, uh, one of my professors used to work in Cirque du Soleil. So just getting to see athletic trainers work in different settings and those different experiences that they have and being able to integrate it into my own practice so that I'm becoming a better clinician. So I guess my goal is to one, help 
improve my own knowledge, but also by these interviews help other clinicians kind of expand their own knowledge base, get different perspectives on things. I like it. What about you, Mel? Yeah, so kind of the same thing. I mean, you guys kind of stole my answers, but to add on to that, uh, like as far as my education over the past few years, some of the most influential people that I've found to really like help spike my education, things like that are through people rather than like textbooks. So I think by meeting these people that have the, even these little tiny like insights, it helps you form and helps me form how I want to practice as a, cl as a clinician and everything is it's not so like cut straight. Like you can take little bits and pieces from every single person you meet to find out how you want to practice yourself. So that's kind of how I really like, like meeting people and finding how they practice. Sounds good. Well, in order to keep this one going and relatively on the short end, um, kind of jumping into the ATC chat questions that we're going to have. Uh, the first one we have is, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? It'll be interesting to hear from you guys. One, you know, Malcolm going to PT school, and again, not taking away from that. I think that's fantastic. But, be you know, be with both of you in school, one going through undergrad, one going through grad. What does that mean to you guys? Um, I'll start us off here. For me, <laughs> for me, I think one of the best parts of being like an AT and the things that I get the most enjoyment out of are getting to interact and get to know the patients I work with or right now in the collegiate setting, the teams that I work with. I think that's one of the real cool things about the athletic training profession is you're not just with them when they're injured or they're sick. You're at their practices. You're in the weight room with them. You really get to know them from start to finish. So if they are hurt, you're there right at that initial injury evaluation, through the rehab process, and then hopefully back when they're healthy again. So I just like that complete and total spectrum where it's just not you're a piece of the puzzle. You're more, more or less there all the time. And... Mm -hmm. From my strength and conditioning time, I learned to value those experiences where you really, really get to know them on a personal level. And I think, especially in athletic training, that's one of the best things about it. And that's at least my favorite part of it. Nice. Uh, well, you yeah, know. Okay. <laughs> what are you saying? I said, what about you? Oh, okay, okay. And I was going to add on to that because I totally agree with that part. My, I would say my favorite part is the fact that we're a career, like we're almost like the jack of all trades. Like we're able to perform and do well in like the injury prevention side, the evaluation side, rehab, like the treatment, everything like that, as well as the sports performance, like, you know, like doing the lifts. We also get involved in like nutritional care, everything like that. So like they can like refer to us as like some sort of population where we can do a lot to help them. We don't have to refer out for every little thing. So I really like that part too. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. I know that was a big interest for me. Um, I mean, I didn't even know what it was when I decided that I was going to go into it in a major. Um, I heard about it on my freshman orientation uh, to undergrad. Uh, but I knew I wanted to do something with kinesiology, and that was what I thought was strength and conditioning. And then I heard about the medical aspect of it, and I was like, well, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, maybe we should do that. But, you know, to piggyback off of what you said, Malcolm, with that jack of all trades, it's also I've found some of my more like rewarding times where it's not necessarily that I did all of the th 
treatment and the rehab and whatnot, but like mm -hmm. came up with the plan and coordinated the care to get yeah. the person in front of the right person with the right skill set and the right expertise to then see what that outcome is mm -hmm. and do it as efficiently as possible. Like that was one of like, some of those are like my most fond memories where like, yeah, I played a role in that, but it was also the team approach and helping coordinate that and not that point person's the wrong word, but it's the best one I got just to kind of help steer that in the right way and kind of to collaborate, which I think is kind of an interesting thing um, because of the situation that we're in. So where do you guys see the profession going in five to 10 years? Um, and if there's any, examples or ideas that you have on that well this one this one's an interesting question i think especially with i am in a master's level entry program so for those who don't know just for the audience in the next coming years i think it's like 2022 or something yep. it's when uh, all entry level athletic trainers have to have master's degree have to have uh, master's degrees. Um, so I think that's a really interesting shift because traditionally expend that four year undergrad degree. And I think it's a slightly different program. I think it's trending for the better. I know that for me, the master's program is pretty accelerated. So it's a kind of a sink or swim thing. And I think it actually is heading in the right direction. I know that through my experiences so far in my first three semesters, I um, learned so much, especially being thrown into clinical situations right off the bat. And I think that this uh, master's degree helps us kind of with our, uh, oh, what's the word, credibility. Not that we weren't credible before, but just kind of like with physical therapists when they move to the uh, doctorate from the master's thing, it just kind of help, helps elevate us to a different level. And I think it's a positive thing so far. Yeah, I totally agree with that too. I think as far as like adding the education will really help everyone in the long run. I also see like the career as far as like what we're able to do expanding a lot. Like in the past few years, you're starting to see a lot more like clinic-based ATs and everything. So that's where like a lot of people from our class too, like we're even going, like if they want to stay in clinics, some want to go work at high schools. We have some people going like out of the country now to go work with like full, like soccer teams in different countries. So I think you know like we're heading in the right direction. It's just take it'll take some time. You know we're kind of like the we're building blocks of the career right now. So we just got to keep pushing forward. Yeah, I'm gonna steal this from uh, Mark Gibson just because we've had conversations about this before. But I think the profession did a really good job expanding quickly. And making ourselves known uh, but we've gotten to the point where we're almost oversaturated it where we have a lot of people branching off into different fields which is completely great and whatnot like i don't think that's a bad thing at all but almost to the point where you're seeing jobs being created that are just not good in terms of pay and whatnot like it's just not to the standard that it should be for mm -hmm. the level of experience and things that people have and so I think you're going to see some of the contraction of that, like Austin, that you talked about from, I don't know the exact number, but however many undergrad programs there are, I think there's going to be a contraction of that to the grad programs 
you know, maybe smaller cohorts in those programs, you know, depending that will then allow for a better quality, you know, quality, quality over quantity type thing. Not again, yeah. not to belittle anybody in their athletic training profession and their career. Cause uh, um, I've got respect for everyone in it, but I think that'll help change to just, like you said, bring up that level and keep people in the profession because now you're, that's what you're truly pursuing, not an undergrad to go to the next thing. So, yeah, yeah for sure. This question I find very interesting for both of you guys, because you are young athletic training okay. students. Uh, what advice would you give yourself? If you could, if you could go back, even if, you know Malcolm two years ago or the start of your rookie year um, at UWL, maybe that's a good place to start. Um, Austin, you can go back like six months or something. Yeah. So one thing that, especially from like a lot of you like preceptors, that kind of push on us. So I think like as far as what I've done, I think I've taken advantage of it. We're really starting to like push yourself to learn things early. Don't like scrape by an undergrad. Like it's your time to like try new things, make mistakes, everything like that, as well as do that research while you have the time and try and find the best for your patients, everything. So one thing like that you guys always push for us is always asking ourselves why and finding better reasons. Always trying to provide the best care that we possibly can. Even if we know like say ultrasound could probably work, like why are we doing it? Is there something better that we could be doing to like provide the best and optimum like healing everything so i think that's one thing that you guys did really really well for us but for those two like just exploring all possible like outcomes and doing as much as you can in undergrad to really just try to make the most of your education i like i like that what you said there uh, i'm gonna kind of piggyback off you just a little bit there with the uh master's program being two years i think the clinical hours are comparable but it goes by really fast so my biggest thing that like, I would go back and tell myself right off the bat, get involved right away, start to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like you said there, you have to put yourself out there a little bit. And at least personally for me, I learned the most in that clinical setting. Yeah, you learn, yeah. A lot, you learn a lot in your classes with the evaluation, special tasks, how to do this. But once you're actually out there and able to apply it, especially when you have preceptors to help you out, to guide you, to mentor you, and kind of be that safety net, that's how you're going to improve. And I know that I carry that over from the strength and conditioning side of things where I felt like I learned the most from just being out there and doing it. So I would say get act, be active, get involved. Like I try to go, when I go to my clinicals, I try to engage in discussions with my preceptors when I see something that I don't know or that I might not necessarily agree with, like right off the bat, based upon what I've been taught, I like to start those discussions with them because it helps me learn new things and kind of new thought processes, which I mean, as a clinician, you want that open mind, you want to continue to expand that uh, your palate and what you can do for your clients. So say get out there, be involved right away. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you both have heard me get on this one a lot. Um, so sorry, you got to hear it one more time. But, you know, you, you think you're busy when you're an undergrad. And I was that way. And I definitely didn't take advantage of opportunities. Uh, I don't know if they were as presented, you know, presented as frequently, but to not cop out of it, 
I, I didn't take advantage of those uh, when I needed to and when I could have um, to do something strength and conditioning-wise or to go and do the other thing or to do research. Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you if that was an option when I was there, but I also didn't look for it. So, yeah, you're, you're never going to be less busy, whether it be undergrad or graduate, as much as you think it is. Um, life has a funny way of keeping you busy. Uh, doing different things so you know take the time don't be afraid of debt to a certain degree that's one that i wish i could have stomached better um knowing that in the long run it's all going to come back if it helps you get to where you want to be obviously you got to take all of that situationally but you know this is going to sound easy for me to say now but what's 500 bucks in the big scheme of things if it's mm-hmm. the thing that can help mm-hmm. stick hard to get you the job that's going to pay you five grand more that's hard yeah. to see when you're young um and doing things and we could have that be a topic for another day um, about seminars and things like that but yeah those would be things that i would and go back and tell myself to put myself what i would consider five to ten years further along than i am right now for sure what has been a most influential resource that you have found so far and this could be really good from the both of you guys awesome (laughs) all right well i would say that for me i've found a couple books and things but i think the most beneficial resource for me has been my preceptors so far Cop out. I knew you were gonna go that's a good answer there's nothing wrong with that no i've been uh pretty lucky in the three preceptors that I've had so far. Um, I've been at a high school and I'm right now in the collegiate setting and my preceptors all have a whole variety of experiences. My first preceptor was uh, just a couple of years, I think a year or two removed from her own master's program. Oh, nice. So being able to have a preceptor who's gone through things similar to me, who can teach me how she did it and kind of I, I don't want to say new school way, but I guess new school in the fact that we're both kind of learning together. It's kind of, it was kind of a trial and error thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I felt that that was one, probably my most valuable learning experience so far. Just because my preceptor and I, I was her first student. So it was kind of a, there were rough patches, but it was a good experience for me because we both related on a really close level. And that's one thing I enjoyed. And then in the collegiate setting, the two preceptors I have right now, they're both incredible. They've both been at it for a while. So it's really cool to hear each other's tips and tricks and their own philosophies on things because they're both incredibly different. But as clinicians, we all have the same goal to make sure that our athletes are cared for, that we're helping them succeed. And it's really awesome to see how they go about it especially in the completely different ways that they do it. Yeah, so I'll add on to that. I would say preceptors is probably like my number one, but I won't sit there and repeat the same stuff you just said. So as far as other resources that I found helpful though, like I always found it helpful like bouncing ideas off classmates because we're all kind of in the same boat and they've been learning the same exact thing I have. So maybe they have like a different set of eyes on things, you know, so sometimes I'll go and bounce ideas off classmates, see where they're at, see if their ideas compare to mine, and then I'll kind of go from there. 
but something over the, at least over the past year that I found really helpful was like looking at research with an extent. I mean, you know, there's good research, bad research out there, so you got to be careful. There's like a lot of like new and upcoming research, what I think, which I think should be like an emphasis in a lot of where our career is going, is finding that better way, seeing what people have done, what's worked before, everything like that. So, using that as a resource as well. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of you there for a second. I think you made a really good point with the uh, bouncing things off your classmates. And I think that's one of the cool things in the master's program is that all the students have to have an undergraduate degree. And most of the time it will be in exercise science kinesiology. But in my class, for example, we have a biology, we had a biology major, a woman who wanted to go to med school first until she changed professions. And then we have another student who uh, graduated a while ago who's been running a successful strength and conditioning business for the last 10 years. Each of these people offer different perspectives on things because we haven't had the same education. So when we talk about a situation that comes up, whether it be in classes or in the athletic training room when we're working together, it's really cool to hear those different backgrounds play a part in how we think and kind of our thought processes. So I really like that point brought up there. Yeah, I would echo everything you guys said. Um, I think with the age of the interwebs, it can be a blessing and a curse. Um, I, God, this makes me seem so old, but <laughs> I signed up for Facebook when you had to have a .edu account. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, right. Um, but I think there's good resources out there, but you have to do your due diligence in finding those um, because there is just a lot of junk out there too. Um, and just to go back to Malcolm's point earlier is, you know, always asking yourself, why can you back it up? Does it make sense? Can you justify why it is that you're doing it? And I think that you can find a lot of good resources out there. There's a lot of good books. There's a lot of really smart people that share a lot of material. Um, and I think trying to dive into that to a certain degree, you can kind of put your learning into hyperdrive um, instead of necessarily just going through and like reading a textbook on spinal anatomy and treatment and da, da, da. like you can find somebody that can help you apply it better um which could then help with your clinical practice so final question if you could change or eliminate one thing it could be a modality a common practice a mindset whatever it is in the field of athletic training what would it be malcolm i'll let you lead off here uh, that's probably easy. I've, I'll probably take like the classic answer. I think with our career, with where it's been to where it is now, <clears throat> there's still a lot of the negative persona that all we do is like stretch athletes, tape their ankles, and that's kind of all the profession is. And it's really hard to build the water. Like, water. Oh yeah, I can't forget about that water yeah. boy stuff too. So like with all that, I mean, yeah, if you look at the career where all you do is stretch tape and give out water, it's hard to build any sort of credibility off that career. It's like not many people are, it is getting a lot better, but a lot of people still think that's all we do. And really, you know, we're down there working with like post-op ACLs. We're working with all these athletes, you know, we're helping them with like glute med weakness. And I really like all the like 
the anatomy and everything like that. So I think there's a lot more to the career than what people think. And it's just need to get it out there and understand that we're a growing profession. We are a healthcare provider, everything like that. So if I could get rid of that negative persona, I think that's what I would do. For sure. I mean, it would be just to piggyback on that is like change the mindset of that we can be experts. And I know a lot of some people have that, and that's growing, and that's fantastic. But I still even catch myself like I'll get in a room with a bunch of people, and based on degrees and things like that, like I automatically put people on a pedestal. And while to not ever sound arrogant, like I got to have the confidence that my skill set and my experience and my knowledge base allows me to be in that room and contribute and be okay with that mm-hmm. you know and be confident in that and so just from across it like to not be hesitant to for us to go out and you know say that this is what it is like we are the experts on this and really roll with that sure all right i'll follow up with you I'll choose more of a treatment modality thing here that could change. We could get into that one too. I just decided it wasn't worth the uh, yeah. rollback. <laughs> I'll give my little tidbit here. So over the last couple months or so, I've been reading a lot of research and you actually had uh, Gary Rhino on. Yes. So you know where this one's headed. Yep. So I think for me, if I could change one thing, it would be kind of that let's hold off on that ice treatment right away. I know that I've done some research and will be continuing to do research this semester as part of a systematic review that I have going, but kind of on the effectiveness of ice in that, you know, initial treatment phase. Traditionally, you know, it's been like throw a bag of ice on, take a couple days off, then we'll start to get into it. I know that at Milwaukee, we're starting to really get away from that approach. We have we don't really hand out ice bags. We have a couple Mark Pro devices, which are kind of those electrical stimulation thing, mobile stim devices, for lack of a better explanation, without digging too deep into it. And we found that those are really effective, and the athletes love them. When we walk into the training room, we have six of them, and the athletes, you can find five or six out at a time. They're good for recovery. They're good for, like, post-injury. And I find that I'm starting to lean a little bit more towards that, especially after talking to my preceptors. That's kind of the viewpoint they've had. And uh, I recommend if you want, like, a full reasoning, i go check out that clinically test episode you guys did. Gary, I know, makes some uh, really good points. He's hard to argue. Yeah. So definitely, I think that's what I would say is kind of leaving the ice behind is what I would like to see. Yeah, we've yeah. taken the approach of you know, always asking the question, like, can you do whatever it is or whatever you're trying to accomplish better or more efficient? Yeah. Not to say that ice is wrong necessarily because if that's what fixes someone and they believe it does, by all means, put a bag of ice on it. But is there a way that it could be done more efficiently to try and help them get back? And that's the approach we've taken, very similar to what you've just said. Yeah. And it's interesting when you argue that with athletes or even coaches and, like, light bulbs start flickering. <laughs> and they're just like, wait, what? So 
All right. Anything else you guys want to add for this first episode? I don't think so. All right. Well, we will link a couple of the things up from it. Um, definitely that art or that episode with that. Um, I guess we didn't really come up with any other big links, but uh, check things out for all of that at athletictrainingchat.com where it will be on all of most of the main socials. If we want to run Snapchat, that's on you guys because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> uh, I'll leave that up to you too. But Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, kind of those big three. Um, and then we will start getting rolling with episodes where we'll be interviewing different athletic trainers from across the country, from research and clinical and education and uh, see what we can come up with. For sure. Cool. All right. Thanks, fellas. Yep. Yep. All right.